Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. Happy Monday. Oh, yeah, Monday. It's Monday. Right and early. Gorgeous out. Summer Monday, live from the Coco in Summit, Summit, New New Jersey. Jersey. Um, thank, thank you, you for having us. Thank you, Lauren, at the Coco. This beautiful space, gorgeous. Congratulations, co-working for um, women here in New Jersey. Co-work and co-learn. Co-work and co-learn. Ten and two. And Today we, we will be doing both. Yes. <laughs> and we are here with, as per usual, a friend, an inspiration, the legendary. And we usually like to let our guests introduce themselves. We can because you know. We can have her introduce herself if yeah, you want. Yeah, that's what I like. Okay. Um, but just as a background, we met our guest in two ways. We know her personally because her brother lives in our area, our town. Um, but, but that's not what we knew but, ahead of time. But that's not what we knew ahead of time. No, I that actually, was extra. That was extra. I actually, as most of people on this podcast know, went to University of Michigan, go blow every single episode. I have to say that in some way. Um, and was fortunate enough to be asked to be uh, part of a really awesome event on campus called MFMS um, two years ago, which is Michigan Fashion Media Summit, which was a student-run amazing event that we were in attendance of, and our guest was on the panel, so we met her there as well. So we met her at Michigan, and we also met her through friends, and now have become colleagues and friends ever since. Yeah. So if you would love to, you know, go ahead and introduce yourself, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, and, and first of all, I'm so, I am very excited. <laughs> if I can, I can, if I can say it's that. not us. I am very excited. Um, to be here. I feel like I'm just sitting, having coffee with friends. Um, But my name is Mindy Shire. I am the founder of Runway of Dreams. I'm a former fashion designer and mom of three kids. My middle child, Oliver, was born with a rare form of muscular dystrophy. And we learned early on that he was really going to struggle with everyday tasks, one of which was the very thing that I love to do each and every day, and that's to dress myself. I, I think about it before I go to bed every night what I'm going to wear and I'm so happy that this is being videoed also because yeah, then you can see because I do love your leopard number yes. going yes. on yes. Um, but for Oliver it would take him um, probably about an hour to do the same thing it took my other kids such as buttoning his shirt if he even was able to do it and when he started school um, his only option was to wear 
sweatpants because it was the only way we knew he'd be able to go to the bathroom on his own. Um, it was how he would wear his leg braces because they couldn't fit under jeans. And I felt, well, he's a boy. That doesn't seem so out of whack that he would wear sweatpants every day. And when he was eight years old, he came home and said, Mom, I want to wear jeans to school tomorrow. And I actually don't understand why I've never worn jeans my friends wear all different things and I wear the same thing every day. And it was such an aha kick in the stomach moment that here I was in the fashion industry and I forgot how critically important clothing is to who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. to your confidence level, to your self-esteem. And I needed my eight-year-old to remind me of that. And I looked at that little face and I said, you bet you are wearing jeans to school tomorrow. So good night and see you in the morning. And when he went to bed, I grabbed a pair of jeans that he was never able to put on his own. And I sat at my kitchen table and admittedly cried probably for at least an hour how I missed this and started just ripping them apart. I took out the zipper and the button and I cut up the side seams to be able to go around his braces and used peel and stick Velcro any proper fashion designer would have been horrified by what I did. Um, And the morning when he woke up and I showed him my arts and crafts project, otherwise known as jeans, it was the first time he was ever able to dress himself with anything that had buttons or zippers in it. And it was an immediate transformation that came over him. A huge change in his confidence from a single pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. And I, I just could not believe how critically important clothing is to who, how he felt about himself. And it was really at that moment that it made me realize that if Oliver was struggling with this, how in the world did other people with vastly different disabilities, um, in wheelchair full-time, limb differences, Down syndrome, autism, how were they managing clothing challenges? And was it affecting how they felt about themselves. And this was in 2014, so I decided to take my background of being a fashion designer and have this small goal of changing the fashion industry to be inclusive of people with disabilities. And I formed Runway of Dreams to do just that, to help brands um, and designers understand that making modifications to the existing clothing could help people with disabilities wear the same things as everybody else. And if I've anyone, heard that story more than yeah. ten times, and I'm crying again. Uh, I know. I was just, I just, just, really, I have I, a I, small. There's there. like a little. Yeah, I, was I just say, love it so if much. Anyone the story. wants to know how to introduce themselves? There it is. That's how you do That's it. A good, that is an elevator pitch, <laughs> but that was perfect. I, no, but it's just so. I mean, I've heard that story multiple times now. I've been fortunate enough to hear you speak in a lot of different places, and. I just find your story to be so inspirational, which is why well, we wanted you here today. As Thank someone you. that has worked in fashion for 20, how many years? 20 years? Yeah. 20 years. And I'm a fashion, self-described fashionista myself and a mother. When you speak, and I mean, when I saw you speak at Michigan, I didn't go to Michigan. I was just there on your coattails. Um, <laughs> I, I was so moved. I've watched all of your stuff. I've, I champion you. As, as, a, as a fellow mom and as somebody that is just wanting to make a difference. Because totally. truthfully, I think in life, we are given opportunity to make impact and purpose. And sometimes we don't know what it is. And I look at you and I think, holy 
insert expletive, your life is your life. Yes. And you have championed it so that others can live better ones. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. And it's, you're welcome. I mean, and it's, it's not even, it's just such an incredible thing. And I'm so honored to be able to share this with our Dreamcatcher audience because there's so much about who you are um, that really that really showcases the word we chose for you today, which is not going to shock anyone. Um, sometimes it takes us a little longer to get to the word, but I feel like we just can dive right in. The word for today, as today's podcast is a What's Your Word, is adapt. Mm. And for Mindy, I believe it's a triple entendre because obviously adapt is a key word for you, your organization, and the nonprofit. But also adapt would be how you pivoted through your career journey, which we'll talk about in a moment. And also it would be how you turned your no's into yeses. Yes. So perfect, um, perfect word for right. today. So it's a triple entendre. And I, and I, I feel like that, that, that's English, right? Yeah. Entendre. entendre. Okay. Yeah. Um, Meaning like multiple meanings. Yeah, multiple Go back sometimes to like make seventh grade English. We yeah. got this. Sometimes I make yep. um, So we're going to start from the beginning because now we heard Great. where we are. Um, and we have so much to talk about of where you are, where you're going, what the future brings. But I like to go back because Perfect. back means future, right? Yes. So what did you want to be when you were little? What did you want to be when you grew up? What was the first thing you remember wanting to be? I really was that little girl that um, knew I was going to be in fashion. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. I really um, only went to applied to colleges that had fashion programs. I was very clear that I was going to not only be a fashion designer, but I was going to be a global brand. Yes. I never knew how to think small. So I just didn't want one store. I wanted to be the next Betsy Johnson. I really wanted to um, be big. And I was laser focused um, and started my career. Um, I did quite a few internships when I was in college. Um, I studied in Italy through FIT. Um, and I started working in New York City the day after I graduated college. I was super clear on what my direction was going to be. So you didn't want to be a spine surgeon like your brother? I did not. <laughs> no, no. I left that to him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Both because my brothers are incredibly brilliant. What's your other brother do? Oh, he is a managing partner at a lawyer and uh, a practice in Philadelphia. Oh, just that. Yeah. So I always say I got the looks, I think. Yeah, I think you that's did. how it went. Yeah. Went Fashion down. sense so, and looks. Those are really big things so to have. So while you were being laser focused. Yes. Back in the day, and mm-hmm. you're from Pennsylvania, correct? Correct. Um, I've been to your hometown, actually. Pottstown, right? Yes. Um, what was your first job? Before the internships. Like your first actual job. Ever. Ever? Mm-hmm. Ever. Oh, ever. Ever. Um, okay, let me just think for a second. I were, One of my first jobs, and this was really so that I could afford to live down the shore um, during the summer, aside of being camp counselor and all of that, I worked um, at the beach stands in Avalon. Amazing. And I made it about less than a week because um, <laughs> I sat on the counter and was chatting with uh, some of the lifeguards and the uh-huh. owner of the the this beach stand was not thrilled with that and I was dismissed. And I remember calling my dad in hysteria that I got fired from my first job. I can't believe it. What am I going to do? La, la, la. And... Um, 
after I collected myself, I went into town and then got myself a job at a jewelry store, of which I made zero money because I put all the money I made back into the store purchasing. You of were making you investments. Investments. 100%. Personal, I was supporting per, yes, the store. You were supporting yourself yes. and the store yes. and your fashion habit mm-hmm. also. I felt that, good about that. Okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I, yeah. and the thing is, it's we talk about this all the time with our candidates. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast that so much of who we are as career minded people is who we are as actual people. Yes. Right. So we do a, a, an activity or, a, or a, you know, an exercise with our candidates often where we say, like, who are you and your group of friends or who were you growing up or what were your first jobs? Because we actually find that a lot of those answers helps people realize what they are good at and what they want to do oh, as that's a career. Fun. I like that. So you exercise. were good at chatting. You were good at chatting. I was good at chatting. You were into fashion. Correct. Yes. That's, you like to that's be social. Accurate. I love to be social. I, I did, you know that um, discover your challenges yeah. type of thing? Yeah. So one of my top ones, I think it's the top five that they, they acknowledge. One of them was woo. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and that really, I, I would say, if my friends, I, and some of them are here, um, would say I, I have no problem going in to a party, a room, or anything by myself. I was never that person that needed to call a friend and be like, please come into the shiva with me. I'm nervous. Yes, yeah. I'd be like, meet you inside. See you by the cocktail. <laughs> and yeah, totally. and I, I love talking to people. I love hearing other people's story. I learn from it. I grow from it. I, it has hopefully been one of the reasons why I'm here today. Same. That's a, you know, that's a lot of what Marissa and I talk about all the time and why we are, I think, not to pat ourselves on our backs, but why we're good at what we do career-wise, but also what we're, you know, doing here, interviewing others, because we're just so inspired by other people's energy. Yes. And and I tick because I get up in the morning and I interact with others. That's just who I am. Fills my bucket. Same. Mm -hmm. Filling my bucket. I just said that yesterday. Yeah. Um, I love that. Okay, so your first job we talked about, which I think is funny because I actually got fired from one of my first jobs also, which is on an earlier podcast. I won't go into it again. Um, So are there any highlights? We obviously touched on this already and, and, you know, a lot of this is something that comes naturally to you when you're talking about yourself, but anything that you're, you, any highlights from those experiences that you still draw on now? So obviously we're talking Unintentionally about- Unintentionally or intentionally. Yeah. Sometimes us talking about it right now will make you think, you know what? I actually do think about that all the time. Yeah, I would say, I, don't, I didn't realize it until probably later in life, but I am probably may have gotten this from my dad, but I am scrappy. Whose name is Elliot, Elliot by the way. Yes. We Elliot love an Elliot Linkwood. in this family. He's a, yes. A E-L-L-I-O-T. figure in my life, but- um, and even from that experience of being fired and having to figure out that, you know, I needed to support myself while I was living down the shore, having a very good time, um, is that I'm scrappy. I, mm-hmm. I figure it out one way or the other. It's not always pretty or, you know, very well thought out, but I will make it happen. You get it done. I get it done. I love that. One way or the other. No wonder we like each other. Same. So when you, Scrappy's our middle name. You went to school. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were laser focused. Yes. Where'd you go to school? University of Vermont. Mm-hmm. And, at and they the had a fashion program there? That I went there, they had um, a program that was um, a dual program with FIT. Oh, so fantastic. I studied the same curriculum as oh, FIT cool students. I don't know if I know that. Yeah. That's I a don't good... know if they do that anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing because I got to, go. to have, have a like a life. real campus yep. college experience. Ben and, and Jerry's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Being Cabin. a sorority and yep. all of that fun stuff. And then you came down or the, or they had course, they had coursework there. There. 
Got it. It was just we used the same curriculum that they That's had. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And then you had your internships because you probably were tied into the FIT. Did they help you? Uh, I, I believe they did. Um, I was um, an assistant or, you know, I was an intern at Design Houses during the summers. Great. It's great. It was great. It and was you, really great. And your first job in the industry was where? I was assistant designer for um, a small um, women's wear designer. Her name was Dila McKay. And she did um, her whole um, kind of vibe was patchwork, which at that time was very in. And so she did a lot of um, patchwork jackets and patchwork pants. And it, I actually had interned for her the summer before. And so I went into senior year knowing I had a job, which is always amazing. Um, but it was an unbelievable dive right into the industry because she was so small. I... Jack of all trades, you did everything. Went to showrooms to sell across the country. I, you know, did anything that she needed me to do. So I was exposed to all different sides of the industry at a very young age. I love that. And we give that advice all the time because just because the job title says one thing doesn't mean you shouldn't say yes to other opportunity. In fact, that's one of our mantras is to say yes. So if you have an opportunity at a small organization to put your hand in something else, even that's not what you were, and you were laser focused. So we talk about this all the time. When you're super laser focused, you could have easily been like, no, no, I just want to design. That's what I came here to do. But the fact that you said yes to those opportunities at such a young age probably formed a lot of the things you ended up deciding to go do. It definitely did because from... There, um, I decided that if I was going to be, you know, a global brand, um, I better really <laughs> staying on, po- on yeah, staying yeah, on yeah. Focus. Just so we're all clear of where where I was going. <laughs> yeah, um, that I needed to be better at technical design, which admittedly I am not good at. And, and for I those of our listeners that it. don't know what that is, if you don't mind, yeah. I actually learned it only through her having recruited for the yes. roles. Tell me a little bit more about what so tech design what is. So what I was um, educated in was more um, of actual, the design process. Like the sketching, sketching and yeah. exactly. making the visual, making, making the image. Making the visual, right? But you can't be a great designer unless you know how to actually put it together. Right. And how it's going to fit. How it's going to fit, the patterns, the mathematics around it, the amount of fabric that you would need to order Per garment, you can't figure that out from a sketch. You would have to understand the the technical aspect. It's really like the architecture of of design and foreshadowing to that kitchen table. Yeah, that's what you were doing that so, night yes. for Oliver. And now yes. for the rest of for our audience, we are going to wrap on live, and we'll see you on iTunes to hear the rest of how if you want Mindy to hear the rest of Mindy. us. Yeah. All right, so continue. So technical design is super important in the process. Obviously, you need to know how it fits and how it's going to come together. Yes, so I uh, became a technical designer for the INC collection. Yeah, sure. Yeah, awesome. And um, I think it's always really important to it. My mom liked that brand. It's still there. It's still going. She's in the audience. Yeah, Um, and um, I was terrible is an understatement. (laughs) I was... 
awful. Like it, it, I, I really forced myself to get into the office every day because not only was I terrible at it, I, you, who likes something that you're not good at? Exactly. Well, Going and, back to what you're saying. In all yeah. fairness, if I were to, if we're to generalize, a tech design position is not as forward. So it's more of a it's more back of, a of bu- house oh, behind you the are scenes. Extremely back of house. You are yes. in front of your and at Colleagues that time and the designers exactly. And your computer. You are very back of house. So this effervescence that's, was in front was of a really computer, bottled. crying yes. and you <laughs> miserable, know, miserable. Yeah. And but I kept saying to myself, "But you have to know it. You have to know it." And so I I stayed until but good for I you felt for I even had knowing that. And how long were you there? Almost three years. So you wow. stuck it out for I three years. So yeah. you were unhappy in the New York City fashion world and stayed in your job for three years. Yes. That Sounds was... pretty familiar. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think that would happen to you. <laughs> They're lucky not. they stay three and a half months. But probably yeah. somebody that was better at technical design may have, you know, shortened their time. But you once couldn't they have got been it. that bad because they kept you. Yeah, well, because I think I made them laugh and yeah, I was right. so I was an anomaly. I mean, these women were brilliant. From, it's, it's virtually science. It's it science, science and it's math and it's everything yeah. I'm really not but good, good at. A good message, though, for any listener that's like good at science and math but interested in fashion, that could be an interesting route. Uh, 100%. I, I really feel it is the architect of design. In, it is, you have got to be good at In that. layman's terms, you're putting that sleeve in on your on your jacket. You're, you're putting your arm in your jacket and that shoulder feels tight. That's technical design. Sure. So it's not right. It's it doesn't feels feel right. right. Correct. It doesn't feel right. So something went awry in the blueprint or yes. in the sample or the making. Or the lining is not correct or you can feel it skimming up in the back. Yes. That's all technical Correct. Design. Fascinating. So obviously we talked about your aha moment to create Runway of Dreams with Oliver. But what, what was your aha moment to... So you grew in your career, which you can tell us a little bit more about your ladder, if you mm-hmm. don't mind. And then when did you decide, you know what, this is what I'm going to do now? Like, I'm going to start this organization. That's a multifaceted question. Yeah, yes, so you, it you is. spent, so you, you, I you know, how many the, more years in the industry? Um, over 20. Yep. Um, Where did you spend most of your time? I spent most of my time in the... Back in design. In design, but then it, d- it did morph over to kind of marketing and um, fashion show production. Mm-hmm. I think my whole goal... At that time of my life was to know as many different parts of the industry as I possibly could, because if I was going to be a global brand, Brand, duh, you needed to be able to do all of it. I better know all of everything. You know, I say here, I insert here, that timing is everything. Yeah. Right? So I say, for you, to be able to expose yourself into different parts of the industry and actually be taken seriously in each of those parts and been given good jobs where you're able to have a, a varied plate was very timely of where you were timeline in the industry. Meaning like it is challenging to do that now. Yes. Like if you were in design and tech design, fine. But to go to switch from, by the way, I must get an email a day from a designer or a tech designer that wants to work in e-commerce and marketing now. Yeah. It is that's not the new an hot easy spot. thing to, make, to this change. make the transition. Agreed. I and think it, it's a sign of the times. Yes, it is a sign of the times. And yeah. I would say in all fairness to those of you that want to make the change, it's not that it's impossible. It's just that we live in this magical town called New York. And New York has this underwritten... Law. Law, <laughs> bullet point, of it being extremely expensive. Right? Mm. So it's not naturally simple for someone to make a huge 
life change within their industry if it's going to come at a cost yes. of salary. Yeah. We're in a generation ago, not to say that we're a generation ago, but no, the I last am. time not we are. Not you guys, but yeah, I probably well, am. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll compliment each other. We'll flatter each other. But we're around the same, and you could do that better then. It was still expensive, but it wasn't like this. No, it wasn't. I was able to um, not have to start over again. Right. People took uh, you. So how did you get from tech design into marketing? What was your transition? Someone must have given you a shot. No, Somebody gave you a chance. No, this is happened. It happened to be um, at the start of the dot-com boom. Sure. So I knew somebody that was starting a, um, what would probably now be a, um, let me think, like an overstock for um, fashion, for clothing, um, that he wanted to start a, a dot com that would be for all brands who had extra product to sell it. It was called Close Out Now, and they wanted a fashion director. So they contacted me and said, well, you have a design background, you have tech, you know, you've got a personality. We think you'd be a great fashion director of the site. Yeah. And um, yeah, at that time, I was probably 25, 26. And I remember turning to my now husband and said, guess who's just going to be a millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> because that's <laughs> what they're saying, yeah. that everybody that starts it, so you can thank me because we're going to live the life now. And so I <laughs> left my job to become, a you know, the fashion director of this uh, website. And um, it was really exciting. It was really the, you know, in the boom of, of dot-com. And either you made it or you didn't. And I think we were out of business and... Roughly eleven months, so it was. A it was really a really good idea that really obviously is very relevant today. But when he conceptualized it, all of us were afraid to still put our credit cards on the internet. A hundred percent. Not that anyone's afraid to put their credit card on the internet anymore. Yes, mm. but I think it was that real notion of burning are. through the investment yes. money and all of that. And but it was amazing for me because now I now on my resume, I was a. I was a fashion director. Now your resume I was showcased. Major. You, yeah. yeah. So where you did can, you go next after that? Um, where did I go next? I think at that point, that's when I transitioned to, um, because a big part of my job there was doing all the photo shoots because you had to show the product. Sure. To, um, for it to be sold. So I had to manage all the photo shoots and on models, on mannequins, on everything and kind of do, and I produced their fashion show. Of which, and this will kind of fold into later parts of, of my story, that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. None. Again, the scrappiness comes. You figured it out. I, I figured it out. I brought in people that really knew what they did. That is probably one of my greatest attribu attributes is not... Asking is for help. knowing what I don't know mm -hmm. and what I don't do well and finding people that do know and do it way better than I do. And I collate them in and so I was able to um, get Wendy Malik who at the time was on oh my god what was that huge show she was on that television show Wendy Malik during that I guess it was in the 90s um, with David uh, Spade oh, oh um, she was like the star to shoot me Yes. There it is. And it was, Jamie. no, it's suggested that she was the editor of this magazine. That was the, what the show was about, whatever it was called, on the show. So she became our spokesperson. I got her to be the spokesperson of, 
you know, this fictitious role that she had of being the managing director of a fashion oh God, magazine. So she was the spokesperson for the for the brands and for the Wait, runway show. Was it Ugly Betty? No. Not just shoot me? Somebody Maybe it's just shoot out. me. Just as shoot long me. as they, Maris is no, helping Maris us out. Just shoot me. Yeah. Thanks, Maris. So that elevated us to like a huge level. And we did this amazing fashion show and got a ton of press from it. And that kind of launched me into the this next whole part world. Of, my, of, of producing fashion shows and doing photo shoots and all of that. And that's kind of what took me to that next stage. You know what? Life. I love this message because, you know, I've actually quoted this before on the, on the show, but um, you know, for example, um, we talk about how in order to be successful in any area, it's nice to kind of understand how it all starts. Yeah. In fact, we learned, you know, somewhere along the line that J. Crew does it that way, that they, in, in order for you to work in corporate, you have to work at the store. Yeah. So your story is very similar in that you, in order for you to become who you are now, mm-hmm. you kind of had to work at the store, right? You had to yeah, learn how to design. A lot of different you stores. How, a lot mm-hmm. of different stores. Yeah. You shopped around and you they had shopped to you. You had to adapt. I had to and adapt. And that's actually a good segue into, you know, even though we could talk about this for a long time about what the word adapt means to you. Obviously, it means a ton to you in your current role. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about why, like what the word adapt really means to you in your career, but now also in the life that you've built. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll kind of circle back into the question that you asked me about that moment that I decided to yeah. make this massive change. So on the, um, the day that Oliver went into school with jeans um, on, I realized because, you know, there's no rule books on being a parent and there's certainly no rule books of being a parent of a child with a disability. We have another um, father in the audience that understands very much what I'm saying. Um, but so I realized that maybe I need to look into clothing that is easier for kids with disabilities. I didn't even know the word adaptive clothing. I didn't even know to search for, for that. that. So I started just doing different searches of you know, just there wasn't, that. There wasn't, you realize how far you've come. I mean, you're changing the vernacular, you know, which is not that long ago. Yeah, there wasn't that even language it for it. I, I, again, coming from the industry, I'd never even heard the word of, of this. So as I started doing my Google searches of, you know, clothing for kids with disabilities, what came up was um, clothing for senior citizens. Um, clothing that you wear in the hospital, um, absolutely nothing that was even remotely wearable for for not even my child being that, you know, I was in the industry and all of that, but I would just never, I would never dress any child in anything that I was looking at. So, and the words adaptive clothing did come up in when I was searching. So then I started searching for adaptive clothing. And the same medicinal, purposeful, for the aging population products came up. And so it was really at that time that I was like, this is a humongous problem that I think I could maybe do something about. And And that says a lot about your character because you could have easily been like, all right. You know, like for me, like my son wears glasses and he wanted transition frames. Yeah. And they didn't exist for a long time. And then a a wonderful company called Jonas Paul, Mm. um, which is essentially like a Warby Parker for kids, um, created a transition lens glass 
glasses so a child could go to camp and like my son wears them now he loves them they're glasses during the day and they're sunglasses when he goes outside and they saw it and created it Mm. which is like there's something amazing about what these folks said Jonas Paul is actually the name of their son and there's a whole amazing story behind why they created what they created because he has sight issues Um, but you saw this need and you actually tried to fix it you're trying to fix the need where were and so now you were already a mother of three I was um um I was yes a mother of three and living in in suburbia living in suburbia and how long and you were no longer balancing um motherhood and also the were you working at the time i was working you were, i never you, i you never, never stopped working. working you never not worked actually at that time um which was another you know this happened that happened blah, blah, blah. but at that point in time um i co-founded a um company called Future Fashionistas, which was a fashion design school for kids ages 6 to 18. Love. That we, it was an after school school that. that we taught pattern making and sketching and fashion design and, and um, everything that related to really giving girls and boys information about uh, even learning how to sew. Nobody knew how to sew any anymore. I was and the only girl in my entire sorority house actually, that knew how to sew, by the way. I don't yeah. know how to sew. I yeah. should probably use a class. Like when somebody ripped their pants, like at a, at a yeah, formal, I'm not true. kidding. I was the only one, and I used to, my mom, yeah. who's here, taught me to sew, yes. and she gave me, told me to always have a sewing kit on me, go. like a mini one. Yes. And I know how to sew. And I mean, in and out sew, yes. like, a, like a this. Whatever that stitch so is, I have all a I sewing got. kit and I came from the same mom, but I'm also <laughs> very supportive of that sentence that you said, if you don't know what to do or you yes. don't know how to do it. Correct. You, you find people that, that do it. it. Yeah. She, just in case she, gives me, she gives me her, her pants and I figure out how to yeah. do it. So, and then or still we give it to our mom. Going back to, you know, the so theme. So you founded that, yes, which is amazing. I was, you know, my vision, we were going to franchise. Like this was Smart. going to yep. be the next huge franchise of these future fashionistas. And um, then everything started happening with Oliver and... It shifted your focus. It shifted shifted everything. Everything. And I sold my half of the business to my partner and um, decided they're not, unfortunately. That's that's a a cool program. It was great. It was really... Hopefully somebody else... Somebody else thinks of it. It was really going to be something great. Um, and th- here we go again with knowing what you don't know. I only knew my world with Oliver. I, I only knew what his needs were. I, I keep deferring to this wonderful father um, in the audience um, that I don't, I, didn't, I don't know what his son who has Down syndrome needs. I didn't know what somebody who was in a wheelchair full-time needed as it related to clothing challenges. So I had to educate myself and I took an entire year to just do research. I went to schools and hospitals and facilities. I ran focus groups. I did surveys. I really completely embedded myself into the world of disabilities because if I was going after the fashion industry, I better really know what I'm talking about. Totally. Fully know what I'm talking about. The size of the market, the spending power of the market, the actual needs because even in earlier early conversations that I had with people in the industry I was constantly um kind of given back the notion that there's no way you're going to be able to do something that's going to help vastly different disabilities it's just not possible and if at this stage of the game this was in 2014-15 if no major brand has ever done anything for you know adaptive then there must be a reason so good luck 
and you know we wish you the best type it of is, feedback. It is somewhat an oxymoron the industry uh, overall that they are they're they're the the color and you know they're supportive of so many different things whether it's you know a Lady Gaga outfit and the Met and all the different stuff. But when it comes to the actual business acumen of that industry, they are still which we work in. They are yeah. still kind of very resistant. Rooted. Yeah. And or just, in all fairness, to give the uneducated, a pass, maybe, no, and you're helping they, to educate they, they them, which is incredible. So they have to be so lean that they can't put that time and energy toward things that would maybe be very important to them. Absolutely. So what did you find? Because I've heard you quote some crazy, amazing, unbelievable statistics about this particular population. And, yes. And I love as, my as statistics. As it relates to our career minded stuff about jobs and things like that. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you found during your research. So um, people with disabilities represent the largest minority we have on our planet by far because every single minority has people with disabilities in their minority. There are um, over a billion people globally that have a disability and almost um, 60 million in the, just the United States alone. One in five people have a disability um, as captured by the census, and that is only people that... Complete it, the census. It, yeah. Complete the census or acknowledge that they have a disability, so that number is actually higher. higher. Um, and actually, I just um, learned that the statistic is that 20%, there's a 20% increase in millennials with disability, and that percentage is going up with every demographic after them, so that there may actually be a time that there's more people with disabilities in our world than not. And when you hear numbers like that, how in the world do we not have product that we're all going to need at some point in our life? Every single one of us is going to experience some type of disability, whether that's just getting older and getting sure. arthritis and not be able to button your shirt and wanting to have the dignity and dress in the same way that you used to, but just don't have the capacity to. And when you think about that, to know that we're all going to be a part of this minority at some point in our life is, is preposterous, that we wouldn't have product that is going to help everybody. It's enormous. It's, it's it really enormous. is. The enormity so, so of it is how did, o- overwhelming. So you took a, year of, a year to research. Yes. And I mean, I'm sitting here like I'm dumbfounded by yes. hearing that. Like, how it's, did you motivate through that? Like, how, what did you, how did you start? What was your start? I, I think just, um, just going head first. That's how I generally live Just like life. dive in. It's, it's, I don't, sometimes it probably would be better if I thought through a little bit more of my actions, certainly Debbie, who's my right and left hand, would love me to sometimes <laughs> think, <laughs> Yay, think through um, things that I, I do. But there, first of all, I think first and foremost, when it is for the betterment of your child, not to mention the billion people globally, but there was no there, there was no thinking about it. I had to it make not yes, even the world were- better for him. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out ways that this kid would be able to independently dress. I mean... It's not a question. It's you not, were fixing it. It's your kid. It's it. Yeah. You know, I think it's very interesting because I, I feel like there's a call to arms for all of us now um, to be more authentic in the workplace. Mm. There's this word authenticity, which I feel fortunate enough... And vulnerability, which we talk yes, about. Yes. I, I feel like I've been my best. I've tried to be... It was not always my best, but I've always tried to be my myself. Yes. My whole life. And it took me probably until 
40 to actually be like, okay, this is me. Hello. Um, but there is a call in the media, in the work world, of being authentic and being your best self and being who you need to be in the office um, rather than, you know, leaving. I'm not saying, you know, we're still supposed to leave some of our personal drama at home, which is, you know, tough for Jamie and I. Um, but don't rope me into that. Sorry. Um, but I would say, you know, being yourself in the office or being yourself in your work, not just, um, for instance, doing things that matter to you, personally, doing something that matters to you. So there's always been that language of, you know, if you, what's the, what's the, the common theme of like, if it's, you never work a day in your life, if you, if you love what you do, I mean more than that. Yeah. I mean, actually relating something personal in your journey. Which is why so and many people leave their corporate yes. jobs to go start something else. Yeah. Because so, I think there's a lot of that now where people just want to do what they're good at and what yeah. they want to do and what fulfills them. And here you were given an opportunity to do that. And what you didn't ask for that, right? No, you, no. you saw a need in your own personal life. And you're like, I and am going skills to, support to it. fix this because I can. And I want to. Yes. And that is a unique position to be in. And It is. And I think, well, first of all, I want to go back to something really important that you just said. As, because when you talk about authenticity or being your, your, true, your self. true self, take that from the perspective of what it takes to be like, you have this fab, both of you have this fabulous outfit on because you wanted to look a certain way. Yes. That's your authentic like I self. I thought it through. As did I. I knew what but I wanted to wear today. But if you didn't have those options, because there's no clothing out there, that A, you wouldn't even be able to get dressed in. I mean, look at this problem you had with your zipper in the back of this. Yes. And you have For the nothing world to wrong know, with you. I'm in a, I'm in yeah. a onesie. Yeah. So you know what happens you, when you're in a onesie? That a was one of, things, of the things that I learned the most in a um, from my um, experience of that research year was that you... There was no allowing to be your authentic self. There was your, how you dress you is were, the just, very first thing that people, people see. acknowledge you're, you're about you. You were being committed to be your disability rather than being a person that absolutely. Has and that's I mean, it's really hard to believe now that this came out of Oliver's mouth at eight years old. But what he conveyed to me was that wearing sweatpants every day made him feel like he was dressing disabled. That not only was he, but he was showing the world through what he wore that he was disabled and this is all that he could wear because he couldn't dress himself, couldn't go to the bathroom on his own. Pretty powerful. It is very powerful. But you cannot cry because then I'll start to cry. (laughs) I'm not not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. Um, You're crying. Um, Okay. So, I mean, there's so much I want to say about that, but one of the things that you said to us, I think when we first met you about career and about jobs Mm -hmm. even, so we're talking, you know, a billion people worldwide. Yes. And you, you told us something which stopped us both in our tracks about, um, this particular population and and getting a job even. So 80% of people with disabilities are unemployed. It's really, (laughs) it's so staggering and powerful. The numbers that you're sharing, not just all of these folks that don't have the ability to dress themselves and they have some sort of disability, but also then how it affects their life and, and their the families, they, their families and they can't get, so it starts with their clothes potentially, Yes, but it, it, it also then just continues into every facet. That as, a, as a community or as a, a society, we forgot how to navigate their needs. Yes. Correct. So you and have this idea. It directly affects you, which it did to you. Unfortunately, yes. you have this idea. You come up with this makeshift art project that he wore to school. Yes. You have the scrappiness. You have the contacts. 
What'd you do first? So first, after the year of research, I was able <laughs> to extrapolate that there were categories of commonalities between vastly different disabilities and clothing challenges. The first was the closures that are used. So button snaps, zippers, hook and eyes were almost 100% for cognitive and physical disabilities, a huge challenge. And when you think about it, the notion of a button and a buttonhole probably was developed a century ago. And the fact that we are still using that technology to close our clothing when you can practically do everything on your phone to run your life and we're still using a button and a buttonhole is preposterous. So utilizing, for example, a, a magnet to go behind the button um, made the closures that much easier. And now they have washable magnets that can be used in clothing. I so mean, is there anyone in this room that can actually use a hook and eye? I don't yeah, think so. I, I have mean, some trouble with it, especially I, if it's behind your head. Yeah, I've, ne I've, I've never had it. I've never had how a bra closes. Yeah, you do absurdity. Yeah, it's, it's absurdity. Yeah. So that was the first category. The second category was having the product be adjustable. So pant lengths, sleeve lengths, waistbands, um, all be adjustable for different body shapes. I, I can't, I'm so sorry. Tell me your name again, Rich. Thanks for being here, Yeah, Rich. thank you, Rich. I keep calling Rich out, but his son has Down syndrome, and a characteristic of Down syndrome is shorter limbs. So rather than having to have everything tailored, having the, the pant lengths and the sleeve lengths able to be adjustable so that it saves money on tailoring and he could buy something right off the rack was a way that different disabilities could wear the same product. And the third category was having alternate ways to get in and out of the clothing. So for example, putting something over your head, if you um, have low muscle tone, if you have hyper muscle tone, or you have to be dressed 100% of the time, navigating a head through a neck hole and arms through armholes is incredibly difficult to do for another human being. So opening up the product in the back so that you go in arms first and it closes in the back was a much easier way to get the product on the body and have it look the same exact way that it does on other people. So even just focusing on those three categories, I was able to develop modifications that could be implemented into mainstream clothing. Again, here is where the torture of being a technical designer came in, is that I was able to figure out that these could be tweaked in, in a tech pack, in the technical design phase of developing a product by changing some... Just minor things, Minor things. Yeah. Implementing some different technologies could make the product more easily wearable for people with disabilities. And one thing that I, I really want to point out is that I made a conscious effort that I didn't want to design my own collection because that would have been yet another reason why Oliver felt different. He wanted to wear mm. Levi's. He wanted to wear whatever brands, whatever right, brand sure. his friends were wearing. Sure. And if I developed my own collection, then that would have been Then you're like, the oh, I'm wearing my mom's way. stuff. So yeah, working sure. with what already existed was my primary focus. focus. Your laser focus, my as laser, we learned about you exactly. at 20. Laser focus. And it also was more um, bite-sized for brands to say, okay, wait, you're not asking me to reinvent what I've already done. You're just asking me to kind of move things around in the technical portion of the design process and 
it really, and I say this a lot, it was the same notion of why somewhere, someday, somebody decided that a baseball hat needed to be adjustable so they could fit so many different heads. It was never, the old time baseball caps were fitted. fitted. Yes. Mm -hmm. And somebody brilliant as they were said, well, that's short-sighted. There's so many different size heads out there that could be all wearing the same hat. And it was very much that same notion of developing the modifications so that everybody could wear the same products. Was it going to be perfect and custom for every disability out there? Absolutely not. But would it make their life easier? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I love you so much. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just can't. Um, and then, so tell us a little bit how you then broke into some of these brands and who so, took a chance on you and where you are now. Here's where I'd like and to kind of... how many no's there were. Uh, yeah, a ton. So here's where I'd like to circle back to the word adapt because this is a really important part of the story that I... Runway of Dreams originally was a for-profit. I had no idea how to run a nonprofit. I raised money for muscular dystrophy. That is about as far as I my knowledge went of a nonprofit. Um, and when I first started kind of seeding my ideas as a for-profit, I was again constantly um, given the 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 feedback of well, you know, it is we're in 2015 now. And if no major brand has ever done this before, there must be a reason for this very niche market, which is what they would constantly tell me, that people with disabilities were a niche market. I said, when does a niche market have a billion people in it? Um, and nobody was willing to take a chance on something that was never done before, especially at this time of the the world and and you know again 2015 and so I had to take a step back when I just constantly got one more no yeah everybody was lovely they were like best of luck I think it's a brilliant idea but but no as you guys know from being in the industry things were tough as it was with typical clothing yes nobody was willing to go out of the I, box I give them a pass I don't believe that was like a, it was a heartless no oh it was it was just it was that we don't know how to help you no. and we can't we don't know how to help you. A so very no. heartfelt yeah. no yeah. and supportive. And they just couldn't take resources to do that when they're even slightly struggling with their own collections right now. So that is when I had to take a step back and say, well, I, I have to remember what my goal was. My goal was to change the fashion industry, to be inclusive of people with disabilities by developing modifications that could be implemented into mainstream clothing. So if I'm getting all this feedback that nobody's willing to take a financial chance because the market wasn't proven, I had to prove the market. I had to show them that there was a market. It was incredibly viable, and enormous, and white space. So the only way that I could figure out how to do that was to become a nonprofit. Because then, if I was absolutely dead wrong in what I felt was right, they would get a tax break. They it would feel good mm -hmm. and that they would, you know, be able to write it off. Not that I wanted the brands to feel that way, that this was their safety net, but I needed to create a safety net. And you to, also had to speak in the language that you knew that they could... Exactly. So I had to adapt what, what my game plan was to get to my goal, to create that market, to have brands see that this was 
an unbelievable business opportunity. So that was now I'm in 2015 and I decided to become a nonprofit, had absolutely no idea how to begin. So yet again, I started reaching out to people that I knew came from that world. And I said, yeah, you got to guide me. I have, I have no idea how to even start. I didn't know what a 501c3 was. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know that you need lawyers to help you get it. But I learned. I learned really fast and went to people that were so gracious and helpful and, you know, mentors we for call, me. We call that a lot your board of directors, right? Yes. You collated a your own personal board of Correct. directors to be like, okay, who do I need? And knowing what you needed is I think just the intuition that came from a career of so many years behind you. And then knowing how to ask for what you needed yes. is a very challenging thing to do. Marissa struggles with it all the time. We talk about it a lot. Yes. I tend to be more vocal about what it is that I need. Yes. But it's a not it's a very hard yes, thing well, to I admit. I don't know how to ask for help. But it's a very you've said it you've said it on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> it's hard to ask for help sometimes because you feel like you want to just fix this on your own. But in a in a space that's so foreign to you, yes. you had to say, you know what? I need my own board of directors, my board of advisors. Who do I know? Who can help me? Absolutely. And not being afraid to ask for that help. Exactly. Um, and so I, I figured it out, how to become a nonprofit. We got our 501c3 status, and suddenly I got calls back. I got meetings, and then I was able to get myself in front of the team at Tommy Hilfiger from amazing board of directors, one of which was David Basick, who is actually on my board of directors now, who introduced me Your to... Your real board of directors. Yes, the right people. And thankfully, when I got in front of the team at Tommy Hilfiger, they just got it. And they really understood the the power and the magnitude of what this could be. And in February 2016, we made fashion history and partnered with Tommy Hilfiger to create the first ever mainstream clothing line for kids uh, with disabilities. And it has completely grown from there. They have taken it now to Tommy Adaptive and have grown to include adults. Zappos now has Zappos Adaptive. I'm lucky enough to be on their board of directors. Target has the Cat and Jack Adaptive line. Um, Nike has the Fly East Sneaker. And Kohl's just recently announced that they um, have their adaptive lines as well. Um, so to be able to say five major brands that are believing that this population is something really important and valuable and a business opportunity is is beyond words in such a short amount of time and we have a lot of work to do we do there's i my goals and um aspirations are that every single major brand out there has an adaptive version of their clothing no different than plus size or petite. And I say this quote a lot, but it's really true that it's easier to find clothing for dogs than it is for people with disabilities. And that is going to change. Yes. Wow. Well, you had to start somewhere and you started somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the names you named are pretty phenomenal and sound like phenomenal. a college essay for Oliver. If, it, if well, you don't mind yeah, me I'm saying. feeling good. I'm yeah. feeling good about I feel that. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel like, yeah, we've already essay. titled it. It's that <laughs> how we, magnets changed his life outside his body and inside his body. See, I <laughs> love it. See, I love that. Oh, Oliver, I love it. He has magnetic yeah. rods in, in his back. So he literally has 
magnets outside of his body with his clothing and inside. I said, you are so good. You are so... So that's a double entendre. Kind of. There it is. Yeah, how Um, magnets changed my life. Yes. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, how what we do help others, you know, be their best selves, which is obviously what you're doing as well. And we call that being a light worker, that we feel like we are turning other people's lights on. Which is exactly what I mean, you no, just said. I mean, we're you're sitting going here today. In, you can't listen to this story without feeling. You're turning our light like on. You're, you're going into Tommy. You're going into all these companies, and you're turning their lights on. Be like, hello, like this is a big deal, right? And so we obviously are doing it on a little bit of a smaller or different scale. No, but it's it, whoever whoever is hearing this could then go on to yes, do something. So, so it's a whole attention, a smaller scale, one person. Could so change the world. One of the things that we talk about being light workers is that we, we have to stay inspired. We need to inspire ourselves so that we can inspire others. So we love to ask our guests, what inspires you? So obviously, Oliver is your biggest inspiration. What else inspires you? What keeps you doing this and, and getting, so, getting up every day? How do day you fill like, your bucket? Yeah, how are you filling your bucket? I, would, um, I think the best way to answer that is... It's, it's really the community. It's, it's the population that fills my bucket each and every day. I hear more, a, a story, a million stories, whether it's emails or calls that we get or texts about how this is changing their lives of themselves or their kids. Or, and it makes it, it fills me. It is what keeps me going. I yeah, mean, the feedback, it's, it's the community. It's incredible I love that. to have it in my own personal life, but to be able to be a part of somebody else's life is indescribable. And that it you're not an alone and they're not alone. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just, a, it just, you've built a, you've helped to build this incredible community of people talking about clothing and talking about what it is that you're doing for the fashion industry, which is, it really is incredible. And you know, we talk all the time about your mantras and kind of what keeps you going. Do you have a mantra or something that you kind of say to yourself every day? Like ours are, we have several obviously, and we give them to our candidates and we say it all the time. We talked about it earlier, like say yes, which is such a huge mantra for us that, you know, you get so many no's in your life when you're looking for a job or you're hiring and whatever it is, there's always just so much no in this, in this world. I mean, not to get political, but there's a lot of no right now. So it's a lot of figuring out how to say yes to things. That's a big mantra for us. Do you have a mantra that you live um, by? I have, I have probably two that I think about daily. The first one is, you know, probably very common, but it's, it's be the change you want to see in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that to my kids every day. I mean, it could be on the smallest scale, could be on the, the biggest scale, but you can't wait for change to happen. Make it happen. So instead of saying, have a great day, I say to my kids, make it a great day. You have that power to do that. that. And my other one is um, a quote from Working Girl that just because mm-hmm. you sing and dance in your underwear doesn't make you Madonna. <laughs> and I think about that <laughs> all the time. That is so true. Actually. It is so, it's so true that just because you, you know, take, you know, think that you can just do the same thing as somebody else and become that person. You had to be your own person. You had to make your own way. You have to plow through things that aren't working and and make your own mark in this world. Can't be Madonna by just dressing and dancing around. You have some leopard on. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Life's greatest gifts come through their challenges. Yes. I believe in that. It's funny. No matter how much I'm so busy inspiring others, I still have to remember half the things I'm saying and apply it to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I do as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're human. We're mm-hmm. on the human journey and it's, it's hard. 
it's, it's not supposed to be easy, no. I don't think. No. Um, and when you hear a story like yours, and it is so powerful, and also for the rest of us that are fortunate to have children that are healthy and may or may not have different constraints, but are not ones like being able to get dressed, something so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I thank you for every mom and every dad for, for generations to come that will be able to thank your moment wow, for being, making that really change. Beautiful. It's a thank really you. big deal. Thank you. And yeah. And I, you know, the hat, the adjustable hat is such an interesting example. You don't, you know, on this, yeah, because you I think, you because you think about like the things you take for granted. Yes. And just the simplest things like adjusting the hat, which I would never have even thought of that until you just said that. Which then I, you know, because I consider myself to be a very like cognitive person and cognizant person about others. And, and you would never even think about like the fact that that is a challenge for people to put on their pants or go in this way, which makes so much sense to put on your clothes that way if you have trouble. I mean, I want to put on my clothes that yeah. way. I can't get my zipper. Um, so it's just so, it's just so, so smart what you've done. And it's... Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you have coming up for One Way of Dreams. Obviously, you have a big event coming up. We do, yes. In a couple of weeks, we will be kicking off Fashion Week. Um, And we are doing um, a huge runway show in New York City where we have um, about 40 models with all different disabilities, ages, backgrounds, ethnicities that are going to be wearing product from Tommy Adaptive. Kohl's Adaptive and Zappos Adaptive. So Love to that. have you know, three major brands on our runway is incredibly exciting. Um, Are tickets I'm, available? They're, they're sold out. They're sold out, which is amazing that we sold out a month before the event. But what the... the uh, the thing I love so much about um, our shows is that it it really changes the lives of those on the runway, those sitting at home and seeing it live stream to look at somebody going down the runway who is missing an arm and say, that could be me. Mm-hmm. Um, or somebody that for the very first time is showing their prosthetic um, is something that, again, when we go back to inspiration, that is magnificent that we have the foundation to be able to give change people's lives to feel so good and comfortable with who they are and their differences. And it also shows, you know, the industry filled room that we have that welcome to your consumers. Here's these people with disabilities are people first who need to wear clothing. It's not optional. So how fabulous that we get to show them real time the impact that they could make on on people's lives by going back to their companies and saying, "We need to do this. This yeah, is like absurd. This, like, that like, this is yeah. it's like a no brainer." And mm-hmm. so I, I think that's what I love so much about the shows is that it, what the impact that it has on individual lives as well as hopefully the world. Um, and I am hoping that maybe I could come back on the show in um, a bit of time because we are going to be launching a new company that I would love to talk about that um, one of the um, other critical white spaces that we've seen is is representation of people with disabilities as it relates to being in pop culture. Um, And so we will be launching a a for-profit talent management company for people with disabilities. I love that. Amazing. Good for you. I love so that. now if we, we want to tell our audience if they can donate 
Yes. To your cause. Yes. Or how they can get involved in any way. Yes. What are their options? They um, can please go to runwaydreams.org where we talk about our programming um, and really where the money goes that we raise. Um, It's really within three kind of buckets. One, of course, is raising awareness and working with brands and helping them understand the importance of being involved in this population and even understanding the population at large, the education part of it. Um, But another um, bucket where the money goes is that there's always going to be a part of the population that's not going to be able to afford the product, no matter how affordable we make it. So we do um, wardrobe grants where small institutions or individual families can apply for grants to receive money to purchase adaptive clothing. Um, And we also very much believe in the next generation um, because they're going to make this part of our mainstream vernacular. Right, it will be normalized. And so you be normalized. So we give out um, scholarships to design students who are focusing their studies on um, adaptive products or students with disabilities to get into the fashion industry because they're really going to make change happen. So we because really want to support them. the next generation of designers. I love that. And you also mentioned earlier off offline that you started a program at colleges as well, which you did your inaugural club at Michigan. Yes. Thank you. We did. Yes. Um, so what is it that you're doing at colleges? That really um, also folds into our, our next generation. But we have um, launched college and high school club, Runway Dreams Clubs. I love it. On campuses where the students are working with students with disabilities together um, to raise awareness to what the pillars of Runway Dreams are. But they are also challenged with creating their own runway shows. So on each of the campuses. Actually, we just had um, a runway show at Westfield High School, um, as well as the Horizons High School in Livingston, New Jersey, where able-bodied students are working with students with disabilities to come together and create these shows um, for inclusion and raising money for the foundation. And actually, our show uh, will be at Michigan um, in November. Deb, do you have the exact date by any chance? mid-November we okay. can get back to Great. you with that yeah so please do because I can share it with my peeps at Michigan that. I love that yeah um, so besides adapt, we talk about kind of an action word. Obviously, we're three quarters of the way through in 2019, but we don't like to say that we're having year's resolution necessarily, but we talk about intention a lot and setting an intention for the year or an action plan word. Um, so besides adapt, did you have like an intention or, or a, a action word for this year or the remainder of this year? Or even next year? Launch. Good one. Yeah. That's what my Good intention thing. is. Solid um, verb. It's a c- very, very solid. In every aspect of my life. Just, like, just take off. Just take off. I love it. And obviously we've touched on a lot of this already because, you know, just who you are and your story. Um, but we inherently believe, as the dream catchers, but also at Choice, about everyone. Every single person in the world has a superpower mm. um, that they bring that maybe no one else can bring. and Or maybe other people bring it too, but they just bring their own personal brand. So what would you, I think I could come up with several for you, but what would you say is your superpower? Not taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm. I think that is, um, it's, it could be viewed probably as as a negative maybe, but I view it very much as a positive that there's oh there always has to be a way. Whether it's the way that you originally intended or figuring out another way, 
but adapting, adapting, adapting. exactly. All right, that's fine. We can use that. But as a I, I would say that that probably is is a superpower. I, I, I without I question, would tend to agree. Superpower, and I believe wholeheartedly in seeing the yes and the no, and it's something that I have built my entire career on. Because if you don't believe, what's the point? Yes, totally. Um, and then. Is there anything that we didn't ask that we should have? Is there anything you wanted to say about your organization or anything else that we didn't get to get to? I think um, just a little ditty I'd like to leave with the audience <laughs> um, is that, you know, I, I always like to make sure that it's clear that to be open to all opportunities. I mean, again, that I've said many times during the podcast is I was incredibly laser focused. I mean, I had one vision and it was going to be that and I was going to make it that but life didn't work out that way and you were coming for Betsy yeah I was coming and I wanted to just I didn't come for her I wanted to but look be at you her. you're yes. becoming yeah. a global brand in a different way oh, so you're you. doing it but I think it's so if there's anything I would have for example told my younger self is that to be open because you know life takes so many twists and turns and you can still achieve what you had intended to do, but you have to be open to it mm -hmm. and realize that there are other ways to get to your goals and just do it. I, I feel like there's a lot of overthinking out there and sometimes yes. overthinking can stop you from doing what you are intended to do. Yeah. And lastly, and I can't take credit from this, I don't even remember where I necessarily heard it, but it is not necessarily a failure a failure or a no is feedback and that's how you have to look at everything if somebody if somebody comes back to you and says it's not going to happen that's great feedback thank you for the feedback and i will take that and rethink about my goals and how to make it a yes how to make it a yes i love it so we like to i'm like no. i can't even speak um, I don't even know. Um, so we like to end up with just some lightness because we find that a lot of our favorite podcast ends with like a funny question or something that oh, just fun. takes it away from business for a moment. So we have several. Oh, good. Um, there's just three quick ones. Um, but the first is, you know, to take it back, you said you're from Pennsylvania. Yes. And you live in New Jersey now. Yes, I do. So you can take this question and go either way with it. Okay. But what is your favorite order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Like, oh. what's your, like, meal of choice? Like, if you could go anywhere right now in your childhood or now and order something delicious, what would it be? Um, are there no calories attached? No of course calories not. attached. Oh, thank you. Okay, because generally... Like a dream meal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I would certainly go with, like, a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, I mean, anywhere in particular? Uh, maybe the Ritz, Ritz Diner yeah. in Livingston. Call yes. it. That is Shout a, out a solid diner. It is a yeah. good diner. I mean, who doesn't love that with French fries, of course. Duh. Yeah. Yes. And I'd be able to eat it sitting down because generally also, I don't know if you guys know this, but yeah, when you like eat standing, standing up, up, there's no calories also. Yes. Yes. Okay. That is true. Yeah. So I'm going to sit down and eat it with French fries. I apply that to airplanes. Yeah. yeah. Also. Totally. Yeah. When I'm on a plane, it doesn't yeah. count. Doesn't Good count. old fashioned, really buttery so grilled cheese. Yeah. You travel so much. Um, speaking of travel. Yeah. Speaking of travel. So our next favorite question is... You know, if you had your druthers and you were able to travel wherever you wanted to go, where would you go? One alone, two with a partner. After the gala. Yeah, like after the gala. Exactly. <sighs> Thank you. One yeah. alone, two with a partner like your husband, or three with your best friend. Oh my God, I love that question. Okay, first, um, 
by myself, I would like to go to India because I feel in a previous life I was um, Indian and I often call myself a Mindian. <laughs> so I'd like to, I would like to go back to my people. Um, with my husband, um, I want to go back to Bora Bora because that's where we went on our honeymoon. And I would like to experience, experience it again. from, you know, an adult lens because we were, I feel like, babies at the time. Um, with my best friend, um, I think I would like to go on maybe like some major cruise that goes to all these different incredible places that yeah. we don't have to pack and unpack and all of that. We can just go. See the world. Yeah, just I see the it. world. I love that. Um, so to close, we talk a lot about um, this when we're giving exercises to candidates about how to apply to jobs and where, where do you even begin, right, when you're looking for work. So I think we end up talking about what we call a brand crush a lot. Like, let's think about, okay, who it is that you love and what inspires you brand-wise and then apply to those places and apply to their PR firms and apply to their media agencies and apply to their all of it. You know, just get involved in something you super, you love and then it kind of trickles from there in, in the exercise. Hmm. But we talk about this concept of a brand crush a lot. Um, do you have a brand crush? Is there something specific right now that's just super, you're super into, whether it inspires you or just obsessed with the product or what they're doing or how they're have they've created something? Um, well, being that I'm obsessed with how I built this, I, I Same. really, and I've listened to many. That's of them. actually what inspired us to start this. Many, many times. And I, it's, Guy Raz is on my vision board. So if he's listening to this. Hey, guys. If he's listening to this, I'm just Reach out to the girls. If Guy is listening to this. Dear Guy. Bye-bye, Mindy. Ah. Um, <laughs> um, but, okay, I'm going to go with, as a, even just a, a clothing brand, I absolutely love Alice and Olivia. I'm wearing yes. them today. I, I love the freshness, the expression of, of who you are, the silliness of the clothing, but yet I feel age appropriate in it. I don't feel that I'm wearing something too young. Um, and I think they do a great job with that. Um, and from a kind of a different perspective, I have such an unbelievable brand crush many ways on and I think she's a brand now but Ellen mm -hmm. what she has done and and she is my without a doubt my inspiration because I feel friends I feel like I'm friends yeah, with we're her friends first of all, all but we're second all of all she's here right now that she also um elevated a population at a time that um it wasn't what it, it was not a able, thing it wasn't yep. a thing to so to be on national television and say that she is gay at a time that that wasn't even heard of is so inspiring for me but also what she the doors that she has opened for so many people mm -hmm. um you know i i can only hope to be able to to do that for this population to be a trailblazer as she was I love it. It's a great way to end. Um, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you thank for taking you. the time thank this morning. And thank you to the Coco. Let's do it next week. Yeah, right? Thank you to the Coco for hosting us. Thank you to Shared Universe and Christian for being thank here you. and doing our sound. Thank you to everyone that came. We have a live audience today. Yeah, yes, we do thank have a live you. audience. Thank you, everybody. Vocals. Um, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy.